With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Roswell in the 21st century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. 
Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404-474-0086. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and this is CC with BB. So glad you are with us, our loyal fans, again and again and again, and that includes you, Juliet. Here we are looking into all aspects of coincidences with people from around the world. Spread the word about the show. Word of mouth is how we grow. And here's an idea for all of you out there in coincider land. Why do you tell your coincidence stories? To ask people for their comments? To convince them that something happened that's worth examining? Or to convince yourself of the existence of God or that the universe is random or something else? I encourage you to tell your coincidence stories to your family and your friends they will most likely tell you a story in return. Together, talking about coincidences, we can figure out what they mean because coincidences are ways to find out how reality works. Our guest today is, is Eric Hill, who received a PhD in social psychology from Arizona State University. He is currently an associate professor of psychology at Albion College where he has taught for almost 10 years. His research examines the relationships among religious fundamentalisms, cognitive styles, and prejudice. He has a wide variety of interests, including life meaning, meaningful coincidences, which have brought us together today, scale construction and validation, the usual things psychologists like to do, and gender. That's a wide variety of interests, Eric. Welcome yeah. to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of everything. Social psych in general tends to be a little bit of everything. Well, social psychology has a lot of interesting things to it because it's both social and it's psychology, and it's very relevant to the study of coincidences because coincidences take place in a social context, but they have social, they have psychological meaning to the person having them. Yeah, indeed. You know, I always tell my students that one of the things I've always liked about social psych is it's the the study of how people are affected by others, but those others don't necessarily have to be present 
um, even sort of the imagined existence of uh, or or the felt existence of God counts as the the presence of others. Um, and so you really kind of capture the internal, as you said, the belief, um, as well as the sort of traditional how we interact with people and stuff. That's, that's uh, important and interpersonally also because uh, we represent other people in our minds and often have dialogues with them even though they're not with us. Absolutely, yeah, and they, and the, sort of the ima- <laughs> what we imagine people will say about the things we believe and do really have a pow- almost as powerful an effect on us as the things they really say uh, to us. And sometimes we don't know what they really think, even if they say what say something to us. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly well, right. One of my favorite questions to ask people, particularly with Asperger's, but people with um, other problems too, interpersonal problems, is what do you think I think of you? Oh, yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, Yeah, what do we call that in social? Oh, subjective norms, where, you know, it's, it's not necessarily what other people actually believe you should do, but it's what you believe they believe you should do. Oh, that's good. That's good. What you believe they should do. This, that's a subjective norm. And, uh, okay. And we're here talking about, about coincidences. Um, there was a researcher named Stockbridge in um, England, Jermaine Stockbridge, who wrote a paper uh, about how the coincidence story is not just a story of facts. It's a story about how the speaker wants the listener to understand the story. Absolutely. And that makes total sense. You know, I, I, I often think about coincidence and the way that we interpret coincidence, uh, you know, in very, as being very closely connected to how we write our life stories. And some people, you know, to some extent, see their life story as sort of uh, discombobulated and and not necessarily having a uh, maybe a, a consistent and flowing narrative, whereas other people really see their life stories as as having a, a beginning and and clearly headed somewhere with some often very serious purpose. And you know I think you have people falling anywhere in between in terms of how they view the the events in their life and how those events connect to where they see themselves having been where they are now and sort of where they're headed in the future and the story of that progression. It's a sense of having a coherent narrative or not, or something in between. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, I think, and uh, there's a whole area of narrative psychology, which is probably a little bit outside of my area of expertise, but, you know, most of those psychologists actually sort of try to think about people and the things we think, do and feel in terms of, uh, how how people are writing their own narratives uh, and organizing life in terms of narrative. And so I think there's something very, very basic about human nature that is, you know, that is story. We use story to think about ourselves. We use story to explain the world. We use story to understand others. I think it's a, a really sort of basic element of what human beings are. Agreed, agreed. And my my story <laughs> in this life, after all, working on coincidences for 16 years formally, um, mm-hmm. has come to a simple conclusion, a vision for 
what I call the coincidence project. Uh, and that vision of the co coincidence project is to encourage people to tell each other their coincidence stories. I, I think that's really great. I, I think, you know, uh, oftentimes, and I see this a lot in academia, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but, you know, as we have as a society um, focused on the importance of science and empirical investigation and evidence, which I think is hugely important, especially nowadays, perhaps more than ever, uh, at the same time, I think there was a, a period that's probably still continuing where people sort of view it as all or nothing, right? It's like we either see the world as completely deterministic based in sort of a physical reality, or we see the world as sort of magical and superstitious and that sort of thing. And I think for me, one of the things coincidence does is it gives, and, and I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who has not experienced a coincidence that even if they don't believe it was me these things were meaningfully connected at the very least they thought it was strange or weird or or sort of a i forget who said this like an insult to probability and so, <laughs> and so i you know i think that coincidences whether we are sort of super skeptic um deterministic kinds of people or you know on the other end of that spectrum coincidence gives us sort of pause as human beings to remember there is there are still strange things in this world and you know i hesitate to use the word magical things but you know the we haven't explained everything uh, we have not uh, <laughs> uh, there there are two parts to my response to that eric one is that that the black and whiteness of uh, it's all physical, a materialistic view, and the other end that it's all like magical or mystical or ma or mysterious or God universe, that people have trouble with doing continua. Psychologists don't. Psychologists <laughs> is is wrapped up in continua and and. Uh, psychiatry tends to be diagnostic and uh, black and white, although we, we find that doesn't work a lot of the times. But in between are some other things that are happening that uh, are gradations between the magical and the materialist. And probability is an aspect of all coincidences. There's always going to be a probability, whether you can get an exact number for it as something else, but there always will be a probability for coincidences. And what happens with statisticians is they take the characteristic and make it into a full explanation. Yeah, I I totally agree. And you know, I think I think there are probably some coincidences that are really just probably did happen by chance and may yes. not be yes. any sort of meaningful sign from the universe. Uh, but at the same time, you know, even if it happens by probability, I think the strangeness or the unlikeliness of that um, can still give us pause and sort of awe as human beings when we see those things, whether we you know whether we're true skeptics or, or uh, true believers, as it might, as you might say. <laughs> here's a here's a question I've had for you for I've just developed for a while about uh, statistical um, statistical applications to research, which everybody has to do. You have to have a p value, a probability value that comes out less than 0.05. That's uh, that's the idea. So you're you're looking sure. for low probabilities. So in research, a low probability finding means that the research probably isn't random and that there might be a pattern in there. But when you get a low probability coincidence, uh, 
the, the probability, the statisticians throw that out. Uh, and that's that's been a, a curious thing to me. Now we're we're coming to the end of this segment, so I'd like to leave that question for the next one because I I have that that question to to ponder for us. That sounds great. Yeah, I definitely have some thoughts on that for sure, because uh, you know we often take it too far in one direction or the other. Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third-generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Jen E as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com.
Welcome back to CC with BB. Yes, I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and this is Connecting with Coincidence, and we are talking to Eric Hill about uh, the basics of coincidences, particularly from a social psychological perspective. But I've had this question about probability and coincidences, um, that that low probabilities in research suggest there's a pattern. So, you know, when I was doing research and everybody else does, we want to get a probability of our research outcome statistically to be less than 0.05. That is five out of 100. And sometimes that get it down to one out of 100. But when you see a low probability coincidence, uh, the statisticians say, oh, in large populations, um, anything weird can happen. So, Eric, how do you respond to that? Well, you know, I, I think about it in a couple different ways. Um, for me, that, that 0.05 cutoff, which is the end-all, be-all in, uh, in scientific research, uh, but also kind of arbitrary, it, it always just says to me, like, well, we believe that there's or we, or we know that there's less than a 5% chance that what we found in our study, you know, is not matching reality or that we've somehow missed it in some way. And um when it comes to explaining coincidences in terms of probability, you know, it's one of those things where, um, and I'm not an, sort of an expert on on paranormal research, but I know it's been going on since the 50s, and there is pretty consistent evidence with really well controlled studies that there's 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 some some sort of sire or you might call it anomalous or unexplained activity. Um, but unfortunately, the effects are fairly small, right? So, so if you find an effect, it's kind of easy to say, well, maybe that's just due to chance, or or maybe that strange coincidence is just due to chance. And and I think I think what what is holding back the scientific community is that we don't have a theory to explain some of these findings. And uh, and I forget who said it, but it's sort of it's this idea that extreme claims really require extreme evidence. And so if you want to tell me that you had a dream and, you you, you know, like uh, this has happened to me a couple of times. But, you know, I had a dream about a friend I hadn't seen in forever and he called me the next day, hadn't talked to him in forever. And, you know, that appeared to me very strange, uh, uh, highly unlikely and also very interesting and, and meaningful. Um, but without a without a physical theory of how that might work, it's, I think it's hard for the scientific community to, to uh, accept the possibility that there may be some forces that, that we, don't, we haven't yet discovered. That, that, let, let me respond to that with um, human beings have used magnets uh, for, for centuries without knowing how magnets worked until we figured out a couple of centuries ago how magnets work. Uh, even more than that, uh, we've used light every day. <laughs> and we used it without knowing that light was made of photons. And I, and I think, and I, you're exactly right. And maybe for, for me, the difference is, and, and again, you know, in, in many ways, I, I think there I'm sort of a believer in the meaningfulness of coincidence. But as a scientist, I also try my best to remember that, you know, as a, as a human being and a scientist, we are prone to self-delusion or we're prone to sort of missing the mark. And so, you know, when I think about things like mag magnetism, for example, those kinds of effects are fairly strong, easily replicable. Um, and so, you know, even if we don't know why, we at least know that it is sort of a, a, a law. Now, the tricky part about 
let's say like psi phenomenon, like the studies where um, you have uh, like a random mechanical cascade, like a random event, and there's some evidence that people can influence that random event with their own consciousness. So the tricky part about those studies is that the effect is very small and oftentimes you only observe the effect among sort of scientists who tend to believe that it is a real phenomenon. Right. And my, wor my worry is that if part of reality is, uh, is affected by human consciousness, as scientists, that means when we go in to do a study, our expectations may have some sort of effect on the outcome. And so without, you know, it's to the point where it sort of covers up those small effects. If you have somebody who's not buying into it or whose consciousness is not connected with that idea, if that makes any sense. Um, but I think the difference between the magnetism idea and the, the paranormal studies that we've seen is really just a matter of effect size and the ability to replicate those effects, unfortunately. Now, that's a good point. Uh, the ability to replicate under, under controlled conditions. That's a very good point. Uh, the, the, that there is repeated, there are repeated stories like your dream or like what's been happening to me increasingly more regularly these days is I needed a haircut. I haven't gotten a haircut for a long time, so I was going to call <laughs> a, a haircut person, and uh, she contacts me that day. Now, there's a, there's a probability of that happening. It's been uh, a certain time length since we've talked with each other, uh, but that, that kind of connection uh, happens fairly regularly. Now, is it predictable? Uh, the prediction has to do with need and emotion that you can't replicate need and emotion in the laboratory very well you, you you've got to have something like driving you to do it and it's it's a kind of false thing to drive it and to put it into the laboratory so in the wild these things happen with regularity correlated with certain um, emotional states and certain cognitive states of the person like me yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right. I, I think there, I've, I've often been interested in as, as a scientist, like how would you go about systematically studying things like coincidence experience that you cannot, um, you can't prompt or create in the laboratory because as you said, they involve all kinds of factors, including motivation. And so I've often thought about you know, what are the rules of these experiences? Um, what are the things that govern the likelihood that you're going to have these experiences? As you said, they tend to happen in the wild. And so I wonder, you know, is there some way that we can approach uh, figuring out what those circumstances are? You know, I think about William James and his, uh, his uh, book, Varieties of Religious Experience. You know, that, that was sort of our first uh, attempt to study religion, maybe the most famous, I should say, attempt to study uh, religion. And he simply documented experiences, people's experiences, and looked for patterns. And then we've sort of taken that and developed theories and, and moved beyond. But, you know, I think our best bet as scientists is describing and observing uh, coincidence experiences out there in the world and then trying to figure out what are the rules and is it would it be possible to recreate it recreate something like that in the laboratory or, or even set up a controlled study in a shopping mall versus um versus a, a rock concert if we ever get back to those things <laughs> yeah a field experiment I, I hadn't even thought about that but you know if you could get a sense of what those circumstances are and then be there 
when they happen. Um, that might be our best bet to be able to to at least document the replicability of coincidences. Yeah, and it starts with where I'm starting. It starts with stories. It starts with collecting stories. Uh, I'm a psychiatrist. Uh, we do story collecting. Uh, we we do things with pills sometimes, and then you find the same pill that didn't that worked for somebody somebody that wasn't researched, uh, but worked for somebody else the same way, but didn't work for everybody, um, but worked for some people. Maybe there was a pattern there in the anecdotes. And it's, a, it's that series of anecdotes things. This is a primitive early part of a study of coincidences. And there are lots of stories confirming particular patterns of coincidences. The most common one of thinking of someone in some way or another, as you did, and being contacted by that person. And if you want to theory about it, um, all you have to do is allow yourself to think that we have a greater consciousness than our own minds connected to our brains, that our minds can expand into a greater mind, a mind of which we're all a part, a group mind. And social psychologists know there are herd mentalities because they, they drive people. Well, that just, just take that herd mentality just a little further, and you might say that we're all part of a bigger mind, especially when we're emotionally connected to other people. Absolutely. You know, that makes me think of the, the, I think it's Princeton that for a while was running the Global Consciousness Project where they had uh, true random number generators all around the world and were able to demonstrate that, that sort of global emotional events like 9-11 uh, pushed those, those random number generators slightly out of randomness in some interesting ways. And it suggests that, you know, globally uh, there is some sort of connection uh, across co our sort of individual consciousnesses even though it's you know it's hard to demonstrate and we don't have a theory that would explain the essence uh, or where that connection comes from well i've got a theory uh, and it's <laughs> it's it's not and it's it's the group mind idea and that there are ways that we can imagine that these tunnels between minds take place as happened with you and your dream that they it's i i i can see visualize these things because yeah having a good visualization of a theory is very helpful so i can imagine it but the fundamental problem people have is the need to keep mind within the skull yes you know it's that uh, what is it dualism this notion that that you know the the mind is the brain maybe that's right. not dualism but well, you know the, the mind is the mind comes out of the brain somehow yeah 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 and you know i think it's interesting to think about consciousness as perhaps even generating reality rather than the neuronal firings generating consciousness, uh, you know, which is, I think, a, a, a certainly speculative and a little bit out there, but interesting nonetheless to it's think not, about. It's not, it's not out there, Eric, uh, as much as you might think. At Albion College, they don't talk about it too much, but uh, out, he out here in the wild, the idea that mind can influence environment is increasingly more uh, pressing, uh, as is uh, the, our ability to think about our connections with each other. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We are talking with Eric Hill, social psychologist.
How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on Skype, Xzone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Welcome back to CC with BB. Yes, I am your host, Dr. Bernie Biden, MD. This is Connecting with Coincidence, and we are hoping to connect you with your own coincidences and connect your coincidences with your friends and relatives, because there's a lot to be learned for all of you. And Eric Hill is a social psychologist who happens to have some interesting observations about coincidences and their usefulness, particularly coincidence stories. Eric's research suggests that the way you tell your story, what you think about your coincidence story, its meaning, its purpose, suggests something about how 
positively or negatively, you can lead your life. Eric, would you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So when I first started grad school at Arizona State and was uh, really naive about the scientific process, my advisor kind of just let me study whatever I whatever I wanted, and I was very and still very am uh, am very interested in coincidence and understanding coincidence. And so I, I sort of looked to see what was out there and came across uh, a scale by Stephen Ladke, uh, a psychologist who at the time was up at University of Manitoba. I'm not sure where he is now. But he developed this idea called narrative and plotment, which is really just this broad idea that um, it's really a broad tendency that people have, and most people have this to some degree or another, to write and rewrite our life stories and to take sort of chance events and and fit them into our life stories. And some people... Yeah, um, Go so ahead. Just, just just for a minute, fit them in the life stories. That word implotment, is, you're so familiar with it. I know it's just like uh, it's like oh, water yeah. water in your head. It's a funny word, um, implotment. So I had to figure. Out, it took me a long time <coughs> to figure out what that meant. But I, in the middle of implotment is plot. <laughs> and so it's it's making making plots. The process of making plots. I think that's what it means. Or what? What else does it mean? No, I, I think you're. I think you're spot on. And, and frankly, I'm still kind of learning what it means. And I think it's. I think it's. It's uh, useful in that sort of broad sense. But yeah, you are. You are plotting events from your life into your narrative, basically. Yeah. 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 yeah, uh, you're, yeah. Pu- you're. You're putting them down, and and, and so. You know, the, the way we went at it is uh, I use Stephen Ladke's scale, just like anything else. We try to, as psychologists, whether we should or not, we try to measure things with surveys. It's one of the easiest ways to do it. Um, and so, you know, his scale has items like um, coincidences I've experienced often seem to have a strange or mysterious personal meaning for me. I often have a strange feeling that some things have happened to me for a reason, as if, the, as if they're supposed to happen. And so, you know, I think it's the extent to which people view their lives as a story. Um, and and really, I think of coincidence experience as kind of a, a special case of narrative implotment, because we're constantly implotting all the stuff that happens to us during the day. And not all of it is sort of this amazing, magical, uh, uh, highly unprob- uh, unprobable uh, coincidence experience. Um, but those those are a big part of it. Um, in our study, we found that, you know, in general, people who who and plot more, as you said, you know, basically plot out and write their life stories as as meaningfully connected, beginning, middle and end, also tend to express greater well-being uh, and greater satisfaction with life. Now, these aren't huge effects, but you just have the tendency that people that tend to do this also tend to feel better about themselves and their lives and kind of the direction their lives are going. Again, it's it's coherence of of life narrative uh, that you have a way of incorporating the events that happen to you into your life narrative. For example, um, bad things happen to everybody. Uh, and what you mean by bad is also part of the plot, uh, part of the plotting. So how do you inc- how do you put that bad thing like a major illness 
into the story of your life. You can say, oh, it's 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 like film noir, another fate thing that uh, fate has dealt me a terrible blow again because that keeps happening to me. Or you can say it's a learning experience for, for me to somehow understand this illness and this disease as a way to help me keep evolving into my life story. Yeah, and I think that's the the tricky part of narrative and plotment is that while it's in general related to, to more well-being, it's also slightly related to some sort of negative symptoms like anxiety, um, uh, depression. Again, these are very small effects, but you get this weird uh, sort of odd paradox that implotment predicts well-being while at the same time, you know, some some uh, maybe negative psychological distress symptoms. And, you know, I, I think like anything that if you if you see a negative life event as a challenge and as just part of your story, right? Maybe maybe the, the part of the story where the hero is knocked down and then, you know, you get up and you come back, you sort of rise to the occasion. But, you know, I think the flip side of that is if you start to see every little thing in your life as truly and deeply meaningful and you try and you read into it and, and maybe you read into it the wrong conclusions about who you are and where you're going. I think there's the danger that you can you can develop sort of a defeatist standpoint as though you're in, uh, you know, your story is not a. Uh, maybe maybe doesn't have a happy ending. Instead, is a maybe a tragedy, and you can get stuck in that. I think that's the danger of maybe perceiving and reading too much, you know, into uh, these sort of life events. Uh, that's to me is the the meta program of how you do your life story is how you incorporate which events, which events are to be incorporated into your life story and which ones are to be ignored. Because if you have a life story that says uh, things are going bad for me and all I can do is look for a positive every once in a while, but mostly I'm an anxious person. Uh, life is threatening to me. I have this disease. My children are in trouble, uh, I, even though they're doing very well in some other ways. And uh, I, I have... I, I can't do the job I wanted to do, which is happening to people during this pandemic, then those events become part of the negative lights life slant that's part of the meta programming the person might be using. Yeah, and interestingly, in our study, we also measured coping styles, right? And so, you know, some people cope actively, they get out there and they plan, um, they, they keep themselves from doing sort of negative things, they seek out social support. We had the flip side of that, which is sort of more detrimental coping styles, uh, including like drinking and drug use, disengagement, uh, denial, those kinds of things. And we found that in general, uh, narrative employment, this tendency to sort of write in these things as a meaningful part of your story, only really predicted bad psychological adjustment. Those distress symptoms like anxiety and depression only for people who had bad coping styles. And well, that, as that, you said, yeah, 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 that goes together. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So where on the other hand, people with good coping styles, you kind of see that relationship between the tendency to implot and the, the anxiety and the depression. It really kind of goes away um, again, as you said, depending on whether you see 
these sort of shortfalls and failures as challenges or as indicative somehow of who you are as a person. And it all boils down to how you write that into your life story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's talk about the coincidence stories, um, because that's uh, that's how we, you and I got together, that uh, the telling of coincidence stories in some form or another is correlated with a positive life experience. Yeah, I've found, and, and I, you know, I should, this opportunity really has, has caused me to think about being more mindful of the coincidence experiences that have happened to me. But, you know, it made me remember back in 2013, I went to this conference out in San Francisco and I, I live in Michigan, so it's quite a large journey. And I was, uh, I was going to see where my student's poster was going to be set up uh, the next day. She was presenting the, the following day. And this is a conference with probably thousands of people there. And I, I, I went around the corner and uh, I heard a familiar voice and I looked up and I saw uh, a buddy of mine that I that I went to high school with, a real good friend of mine that I talked to occasionally, um, but probably hadn't talked to for almost 10 years. And I rounded the corner and there he was like I had, you know, and it, and it just and, and, I, and I'm not saying that's that's, you know, so improbable as to be magical. But for me, you know, it was very meaningful to, that, that that happened, that somehow the world had brought us together in that small place, you know, in such an unprobabilistic unpro kind of way. And you hear people tell those kinds of stories, and it really speaks to something beyond what we've been able to discover as scientists at this point. It doesn't mean, you know, we need to rush headlong into, you know, making up uh, theories without without proper data but it's there, for me personally it suggests that there is something very powerful there that we have not uh diagram that we have not discovered as a scientific community yet or we've discovered it but we've ignored it in some, to some extent it's so hard to think our minds are not within our skull if if we can do that then this is where my frustration is now arising because i call that human gps uh, that the two of you could somehow detect the presence of a kindred soul in a large population and be able to find your ways, each of you, to the place and time where you could run into each other. That this isn't simply random. You need to have probabilities setting up the possibility of the meeting. You have to have, you have to have it happening. You have to have a baseball field to hit a home run, but you, you, you still had to hit the home run. You still had to find each other. And that's human GPS to me that we have this capacity to find where we need to be without knowing how we got there. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Butman, MD. This is Yes, Connecting with Coincidence, CC with BB, and we are talking with social psychologist Eric Hill. watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. Welcome back to CC with BBS. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Bateman, MD, listening to some music and rocking along with Eric Hill, talking about what the what talking about what talking about coincidences does for people, and, and it, it they become part of the person's narrative. And Eric, you you. You have you're fun talking to you because you're at least a little bit open to the idea that mind is not just attached to the brain, but may be able to expand beyond it. It's 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 poked its possibility into your mind. I, I can tell that, and and you want you're asking good questions, and I and I, I that much I appreciate, but I'm developing a theory first. Uh, and that theory has to do with we're part of a greater mind, which a lot of people think. But there are tunnels between our minds, and we have human GPS, which allowed you and to your high school friend to be in the same place at the same time. Well, you know, I, I think I'm. I think it's hard to a couple things. I think it's hard to live in the world and have these kinds of experiences, be they religious or 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 these really strange coincidences, and not believe that there's something else going on in the world. But at the same time, one of the things I've noticed in academia is is there seems to be 
almost this kind of sweet spot, or maybe you might call it a sour spot where, you know, in intelligence, where, you know, at some level of intelligence, you, you get to this point where you think that it's like growing up, you think that somebody out there somewhere has explained everything. And I think that a lot of people, scientists, a lot of scientists, and, and maybe rightfully so, get to this point where they think like, it's just a matter of us finding the next subatomic particle, and then we'll have the explanation for reality. Um, you know, and, and I think there's this tendency, you get to this level where you think you, maybe you don't know that, you don't think you know everything, but you think you know enough that eventually we will know everything. Um, and, and to me, I can see that as a scientist as being just as dangerous as buying wholeheartedly into this world that we've not yet explained. Uh, and I like your theory of these sort of tunnels of consciousness, one that I've stuck on recently. And, I, you know, I don't I think maybe Hoffman, I came across this article by this guy Hoffman on conscious realism and this broad idea that instead of consciousness coming out of our neural activity instead maybe there is this global consciousness or individual consciousness somehow connected that is creating what we experience as objective reality with some little quirks here and there where it doesn't quite fit with how we expect things to happen from a, f a purely sort of physics-based standpoint um, you know, and so I think there's, I think it's Im important not to get, as a scientist, at least one of the things I try not to do is I try not to get stuck in that, at that level where I think that we maybe haven't explained everything, but someday will, um, because we've seen throughout history, uh, that, that scientists often get stuck in this view of reality. And we think that that's the way it is. We think that the earth is the center of the universe. And then with some better, uh, better tools, we discover that, in fact, we are not the center of the universe. Yeah. There is this belief that we can have it all, that we can know what's going on. It's so it's so arrogant because it, it suggests that our minds are capable of comprehending the immense complexity of the world and universe that we are in. Yeah. And, I, and arrogance, I think, I think, is a cool word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Others might might call it stupidity, but it's 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 arrogance, or 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 in a way laziness, um, because we need to keep being curious about what's going on around us. Curiosity is driven by coincidences, and coincidences drive curiosity. And curiosity is good for everybody most of the time. Curiosity has killed some cats, as the saying goes, because you can be too curious. But we have to keep in mind that we don't know everything. So let's let's come back to um, the curious case of narrative implantment and um, coincidences. Tell us more about what you found about that connection. Well, so, you know, again, I kind of think of coincidences as uh, well and you know, I guess in a in a purely sort of semantic way of thinking about it, coincidences are just two things happening. And, uh, you know, so I often try to think about meaningful or strange coincidences uh, as a special case of narrative implotment. And so, you know, to the extent that we like like I said, to the extent I come across my friend in a in a new place, uh, having not seen him for 10 years, I think of that as really, really strange and also suggests to me in some way, you know, and again, 
this is I'll put my I'll, let me take off my science scientist hat for just a second uh, and just put on my regular person hat. It suggests to me that, you know, some part of my life had led me to that place. And that's really what narrative and plotment is. It's it's seeing the events in my life, uh, you know, as as being led in a maybe not led, but as as sort of culminating and and having some sort of direction or purpose. That kind of reminded me of the the tricky one other tricky part of narrative and plotment, this tendency to see meaning in life events, including coincidences, is that there's also this sort of weird connection with a locus of control, which is, I guess, kind of a a psyche uh, sciencey term. But but basically, it's just do you believe that you have control over the events in your life? Or do you believe that, you know, the events in your life happen by chance or are controlled by powerful others or perhaps even a god? And the thing about narrative and plotment is, and, I, and some folks whose names are not coming to me right now, kind of kind of conceptualize that idea of narrative and plotment as a, as a way of controlling the uncontrollable. Because you get to decide how you want to interpret either the good or the bad things that happen in your life. And that can, as people, give us some sense of control. And that's why I think, to some extent, in plotment and its special case of seeing coincidences as meaningful, do give us some sense of control that there is some sort of order out there, perhaps unseen. And that makes us feel better about, you know, the possibility of strange, negative and sort of fluke things that might happen to us. This idea that maybe they, in fact, happen for a reason. Yeah, that that need for order, uh, which some people call God, which is ordering as well as order, is so important. I've got a patient now who is afraid not to believe in God because the idea of a random universe frightens her so much. It's very frightening. Uh, you know, I, I think, well, maybe for some of us and not others, it, it's frightening for me as a person to think of how difficult it would be to live my life, which has really not been a difficult life at all, but how difficult it would be and would have been without some sense that there, even even though I'm not convinced that there is some meaning or order out there, I have some vague sense that there might be. And I kind of hold on to that. And it might be self-delusion or denial, but I think it's been a, po- if, it, if it is, I think it's been a positive self-delusion or uh, denial in that it, it really is helpful uh, in dealing with really bad things that might happen to us or to me. I think about um, Viktor Frankl, uh, his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, and it's been forever since I've read it, but it's sort of your your point and your patient reminded me of this idea that even without necessarily a belief in God, we can choose to create meaning um, and order and something that will live beyond us. And, and so you can have that maybe without believing in God, but it, I, it may be more difficult than I can understand your patient's point of view. Perhaps it is more difficult, a more difficult path to create meaning in one's life. Uh, I had a guy on the show, a psychiatrist, who said, there's no God, but I can make up my own meaning and that's all I need to do. And, and that's not easy for people to do. Uh, it's, it's much easier to take someone else's word for the way the order is, to, like a minister, uh, and be able to believe, or the Bible, and say, yeah, God's there doing all these things. But to have to make it up for yourself takes a lot more effort. Uh, in, 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 between, in between all of that is, is wondering um, just 
can we recognize the fact that believing there is order is pragmatic? Believing there is something that helps is pragmatic. Your research shows that. And so as so many other research uh, efforts show that having a sense of continuity and and, and, so, and goal, however vague it might be, is pragmatically useful for living a life. Even the guy who says uh, it's all random, but he makes it up himself, has a way of ordering his life that allows him to feel comfortable. So it's practical to think there is order. It's got cash value. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about humanity is that we seem to have this built-in tendency to write stories and to make meaning. And sometimes we get those stories from traditions and maybe religious traditions, and sometimes we make them up ourselves. But it's I think it's wonderful that we as human beings have that power to, as you said, pragmatically write a story and have it positively guide our lives. The trouble, though, we come into is people who make up negative stories that gives them order. Uh, there's there's a lot of conspiracy theories that see plots. Some of them, some of them might actually be there, but many of them aren't. So being able to describe a plot and then join other people who believe that plot is a social psychological positive for them, even though it's against so many other people. Certainly, uh, you know, there's a, anything can be taken uh, in the extreme <laughs> and become a negative if we're not careful. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, it's always, interestingly enough, going to boil down to our choices as human beings about how we decide to interpret the positive and negative things that happen to us. Yes, 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 yes. Um, it's we get to choose and anything good, including coincidences, can also be used in a negative way. We're, you've been listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Our guest has been social psychologist Eric Hill.